0: Welcome back to Catholic Answers. Tom Nash filling in for Al, Catholic, uh contributing apologist for Catholic Answers. I am Tom Nash. And it's time now for our weekly segment on the church in the news, both in America and in the world. And joining us is Matthew Bunsen. Discuss it. Matthew is the vice president and editorial director of EWGN News, the co-author of More Than... or author, the author or co-author of More Than... 50 books, including the first English language biography of Pope Francis and the Encyclopedia of Catholic History. You can follow him on Twitter at Matt Bunsen. Also, his work at Register Radio, which airs Saturdays at 4 p.m. and Sundays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. Matthew, welcome back to the program. Oh, great to be with you. Good to be with you, my friend. And what's remarkable amidst the tragedy of The fire on Maui is uh, that this Catholic Church was seemingly miraculously preserved. Can you talk about that as well? I know you've got a great connection with Hawaii because, (laughs) you know, you've done the biography on the great uh, leper priest, St. Damien of Molokai. I know you know a little more about the parish, so talk to me about this and yeah, well, what's going
1: on and and uh, some of your listeners may be aware that i actually had the privilege of growing up in hawaii
0: you did uh, I, I, I
1: did wow you know. which island uh, Oahu, yeah. I was there for about 17 years in the early 70s into the uh, uh, early 80s. So it was a, a – I wouldn't call it a golden era because uh, the sunsets and sunrises and let's just say my ties in Hawaii are unchanging. Uh, so <laughs> it's, it's always a nice time to be in Hawaii. But yeah. um, it was a joy to grow up in Hawaii, and uh, it's, it's always been home for me. So in this particular case, this story uh, taking place on Maui, Um, it was, I wouldn't say it's personal because I've been gone for many years, but Mm. I can understand the love that people have for Hawaii, the love that they have for the island of Maui, and in particular, the love that they have for uh, the city of Lahaina, which is one of those legacy places in Hawaii. It has a rich tradition in Hawaiian culture and life and uh, a strong connection to the Catholic Church uh, in Hawaii. So in this particular case you were just asking about, uh, the, the church, Maria Lanaquila, Kila, uh, it's named for Our Lady of Victory, somehow escaped the, the flames. Now, as you know, Tom, we've been covering news for a long time. Mm-hmm. These things happen in wildfire. So it's not necessarily miraculous because you can see devastation all around a random building that seems completely untouched. Yeah, but I, I think Bishop uh, Larry Silva, uh, the Bishop of Honolulu, said it beautifully when he said that it's a blessing, uh, and I think it's a symbol in a way uh, that you can have this devastation, uh, but we still have hope uh, at a time when we have to stress that uh, well over a hundred people have been killed, a thousand are still missing, and that that I think is really where the focus. Has been and needs to be, which is on the immensity of the suffering of the people of Lahaina and the devastating loss for all the people of Hawaii,
0: and a, and a sign of hope in so far as yeah. it's that Jesus and His Church remain and are ultimately imperishable. And this is, shall we say, one merely natural and potentially, you know, supernatural connected uh, sign. I mean if it's a blessing right. then it's supernatural connected, but it it just shows what can happen. It, you know, it reminds me of the you know, the old Peshtigo fires back in eighteen seventy one in Wisconsin where in one case there was a tabernacle that remained intact mm-hmm. and and the and the blessed sacrament uh was untouched. Uh, remained intact you know the accidents of bread did not uh, perish so that was a miracle then another a nearby town where again all around um, this particular church there was um, devastation but didn't touch it and it's just it's remarkable when things when there's devastation all around a particular thing with the tornado tornadoes are kind of quirky if you will they'll go from one place to another but when something is kind of isolated and yet still standing it's kind of that's got to at least give you pause Well, it'll sound like I've been very fortunate in picking the
1: spots to live because I also lived in Santa Barbara for a while, ah, Santa Barbara, California. And I was there, I think it was in 92, with the devastating fires that they had. Mm. And we could see similar things happen. Uh, There was a church, as I remember, that was miraculously or seemingly miraculously spared up on the hill, if I'm remembering this right. And then there were houses that were completely gone except for one random one here and there. So it it all has to do with – I know how the winds blow and the construction material and other things. But again, I think that history uh, for Lahaina – That anyone who's visited there, you will always remember, uh, not just the view from Lahaina, but there's a a legacy here. Uh, It is part of the heritage of Hawaii. And in this particular case, uh, Maria Lanakila, this is a a parish that dates all the way back to 1846. And a name that might not mean much to your your listeners, but it's Father Aubert Bouillon Mm -hmm. of the Congregation of the Sacred Hearts of Jesus and Mary, that the Sacred Hearts fathers... uh, Damien de Booster was a member of all of that, of that congregation, and everything else. And it was a stone church. I mean, 1846 is quite a heritage. Yes. And then the stone church was actually finished, I think, in 1873. And then you had various renovations. So this gives you an idea of how far back Lahaina goes uh, and its importance,
0: uh, not just to Maui, as I was saying, but to really all of Hawaii. What would you say for people? I mean, that that uh, obviously the devastation, loss. We pray for the souls of those who had died, and and of course for the consolation of those who live on their their surviving friends and family. Yeah. But yet that their the life continues, and um, it just seems that the fact that even though this, I guess, the school took some heavy damage nearby, mm-hmm. that this is, I, I think, it's appropriate, and uh, uh, again, a blessing to to quote the bishop that. Uh, in particular, because named after Our Lady of Victory, that, right. that the Church is, in the most important sense, imperishable.
1: Yeah, and uh, this is uh, a symbol, a visible reminder of the, the role that the the Catholic Church can play in these moments especially. Catholic Charities Hawaii has been active from the very moment that all of this happened. And you can go to uh catholic charities you uh, to donate to help the the relief uh, you can go to the honolulu diocese website uh, they've set up a variety of uh, ways that you can provide help uh, even from on the mainland or as far as uh, Europe if you want uh, to help people in these situations this is the the most devastating set of wildfires i think i if I'm quoting this correctly in the century uh, that we have seen. And the Catholic Church was poised perfectly, as we always are, uh, to deal with these types of crises. And there's a a Hawaiian word uh, that came immediately to mind when this all started, and it's been used a few times, and that is ohana. Mm. And it means family. And the, the Catholic Church looks at everyone in Hawaii, as we do everywhere, as family. We are the children of God. And so the Catholic Charities was there and is there, uh, as is the Diocese of Honolulu, uh, ready and eager to help uh, under these circumstances.
0: Praise God. And, you know, you work for E.W. Chen. I worked uh, for the Theology Department under the great leadership of Colin Donovan from 2017 through 2015. And we ourselves with Catholic Charities in the Diocese of Birmingham, Alabama and E.W. Chen participated in 2011 with the terrible uh, tornadoes that hit uh, the Alabama area, and uh, there again showing that you know we are going to reach out and and to serve our fellow man. And it's oftentimes the corporal works of mercy that could be a great evangelistic tools, and we thank God for the opportunity to witness to him in that yeah, way. Yeah,
1: and I always go back into those circumstances to uh, Pope Benedict XVI, who was stating something obvious, but it's always worth repeating, that uh, this is what separates us from an NGO.
0: Mm, (laughs)
1: Yes. We don't do this because we're a nonprofit. We do this because we act,
0: we are compelled by charity, uh, by love to do this. Or as our friend, Father Richard Holung, uh, the missionaries of the poor, would say, brothers, we're not social workers. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Anyway, um, moving to a different subject, Meyer in the middle, Bishop (laughs) Bertrand Meyer of Augsburg in Germany. He's kind of a a sort of... um, well, maybe Bishop Fisher was by himself. He's got some other people with him in the in the Sonora way, trying to stand up for the faith as well as he can. But what can you tell us about him and, and how he could be maybe, hopefully, uh, a re- person reconciliation at the Abbot. Yes, Senate. yeah. Uh,
1: and I think at this point, Germany needs all the reconciliation it can get, mm. uh, both of the traditional sense and I'm going to guess the, the sacrament of reconciliation for many. Please, Lord. Uh, it, in this case, uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, this is. Um, Bishop Bertram Meyer, uh, the Bishop of Augsburg, uh, it has been, I think it is safe to say, a very difficult number of years for bishops in Germany. Mm. Many, unfortunately, have cast their lot uh, with this German synodal way uh, that, uh, as – Many who listen to this show will know and have heard very frequently uh, that the German synodal way has been calling for open dissent from church teaching on things like the ordination of women, same-sex blessings, uh, unraveling the whole of the church's teachings on human sexuality, democratization in the church, who wields authority. Who gets to receive the Eucharist, who gets to, Exactly. And uh, in this case uh, – The bishop of Augsburg, Bishop Meyer, has been something of a critic of the synodal way. Uh, He has sided from time to time with others uh, such as Cardinal Rainer Maria Wilke of Cologne and others. It's a small group of German bishops that have been fighting the the heroic fight uh, against the synodal way. But at times also he has, especially recently, been critics of – he's been criticizing the critics of the synodal way. Mm. And the assumption is – and there's a really great analysis piece by uh, Jonathan Liedel at the Mm ncregister.com if you want to read it. About what is this signal? Is this a kind of bellwether? And uh, he uses the phrase both sides, Bertram. Mm. But one of the things that uh, the the thinking uh, that these diplomatic inclinations, as he puts it, the habit of staking out the sort of middle ground, uh, are in in many ways a reflection of trying to put together that the pieces here – among not just the German bishops, but also among German Catholics, and also between Rome and Germany itself. So I think Bishop Meyer is trying to position himself as a an honest broker uh, as these discussions go forward. But let's also remember that uh, we are now only weeks away from the start of the synod on synodality in Rome. And there are going to be some very prominent figures from the German church, both uh who are in favor of the German synodal way and opponents of the synodal way. And Bishop Meyer is going to be one of those participants. So I think he's staking out ground here as we all head toward this synod uh, that the the Germans are going to want to be heard uh, for good or ill, I think. And Bishop Meyer, I think, sees himself as somebody who might be able to shepherd this process a bit to save uh, real catastrophe from taking place.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of Ephesians 6.12 uh, that the real enemies, ultimate enemies, are the powers of principality, the, the demons, um, and therefore that even those who are in the church that are opposing us— are people that can be won back over, and yep. we all need God's mercy. We didn't get to talk about Pakistan. Let us pray for the people there, yes, because of Amen. the persecution going on there about some kind of dispar- you know misapplication of blasphemy laws, and the churches get burned, and the Catholics, other Christians get persecuted. Uh, thank you very much, Matthew. We'll look forward to having you on next week. All thank the best you. to you and all your work at the N.C. Register. You too. A joy to be with you. God thank bless you. God bless you.